Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. You might be wondering, Mark, why are you shooting a separate message from the series that we are currently doing? One of the things that I feel like God is convicting me on is doing a better job of speaking into certain issues that are dividing us. And there's been a lot of those in the last few years. I mean, stuff like COVID and politics and economics and race, just to name a few. And everyone had an opinion that turned into their truth and they expected the church to follow. Personally, we had to make some quick, difficult decisions. And you know what? We got some right. And honestly, we got some wrong. As I tell everyone, this was my first pandemic and hopefully my last. But what was hard for me was not that there was disagreement. I mean, that's okay. I mean, that's part of the beauty of being in a diverse community known as the local church. What was hard for me was watching how we disagreed because it not only caused damage to the reputation of the local church in our country, it also hurt the work that God wants to do in our country. And I think we could all agree that our country isn't getting better it's getting worse. We desperately need God to move. That's why I wanna spend a few minutes talking about one of those areas, politics. In case you've been living in a cave, the midterm elections are only a few months away. How many of you can't wait till those are over? I can't wait to not see another political commercial already. And as I talk about this, I wanna say a few things up front. I have political leanings, like everyone does. In fact, I've always been somewhat of a political junkie. I love leadership, and so I enjoy learning how political leaders, they lead campaigns and communicate ideas and try to inspire people. I've never said this before publicly, but at one time, I wanted to be a mayor. I wanted to pastor the people in the city I lived in. Now, I could never do that now because I would get pigeonholed into a political party, which would automatic, automatically cause me to lose influence, not gain it. So I have a heart for this topic, but please know in my heart for this topic, I'm not trying to push a political party or agenda on you. So as I'm talking, if you think that I am, I want you to go back and re-listen or watch because I'm not. My heart in talking about this is not getting you to vote a certain way. It's bigger and I believe much more important than that. You see, I believe we should be informed and we should vote and we should run for office and campaign. But as Jesus followers, we have a responsibility that we can't overlook in our passion for our political views. That following Jesus is optional. How we follow Jesus is not. One of the things I hope that helps our conversation is this phrase in the Pledge of Allegiance that we all know, one nation under God. I think where we get into trouble is when we make it one God under nation. And it's such a subtle shift that we don't even realize it, but it has a huge impact on how we approach this topic. These are some things that Jesus actually told us to do. One time Jesus said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. In other words, the second is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no 
greater commandment than these. Jesus at another time said this, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way. I have loved you. And then right before he left his disciples, he said this, last words, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. When we stand before God someday and give an account of our lives, these are the things right here that he just said, these are the things we'll be judged by. Not did we protect the constitution, not did we convince everyone to agree with us about this social issue or that social issue, not did we vote Republican or Democrat, but rather, did we love others the way Jesus loved us with grace and truth? But can I be honest? Most of us were way more passionate about those other things over the last two years than we were about Jesus. Many of us spent more time with Fox or CNN than we did reading our Bible. Some of us valued our freedom more than our faith, our political agenda more than our Lord's agenda, meeting in a church more than being the church. So before things get really crazy again, because they're gonna, let's be a nation under God. Let's raise his flag higher than our great nation. And in doing so, it'll make our nation into the kind of nation we all want it to be. Let me read to you some very challenging but very timely words from the Apostle Paul. He wrote these in the book of Philippians. He said this, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Now the assumption was that there was something to grumble and to argue about. So it's like, okay, Paul, I mean, come on. Why not demand our own way? Why not fight back? What's the win in that? Paul says, well, I'm glad you asked. And he says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without, without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Think about this. We've all thought, hey, what's happening in our country? It's all going down the toilet. It's just spinning out of control. Or I'll use Paul words. It's warped and crooked. So Paul says, look, if you're concerned about your warped community or your warped culture or this crooked generation, he says, hey church, I've got some good news for you. You have the potential to make all the difference in your warped and crooked generation, but you're not going to make any difference by grumbling and arguing with everybody else. You see, if you grumble and argue with everybody else, people are gonna think you're just like everybody else. Over the last few years, you know what the world outside the church thought about us? They're just like everyone else. They have their own agenda and it's about them. They just wanna win, they just wanna be right. Unfortunately, we were pretty good at grumbling and arguing over the last two years. Churches, they got mad at each other. Pastors were calling each other out. People were slandering other people on social media. And at a time when people were struggling for answers and searching for God, the world looked at us and said, why would I wanna be a part of that? But Paul is saying, if you just take the high road, here's what'll happen. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. In other words, the contrast will be so apparent and so evident, people will stop and notice because it's what they're looking for. You will actually gain influence with the right and the left because your focus isn't on being right, but treating people right. 
Paul in these words was actually referencing something that Jesus said when he said this, you are the light of the world. That our calling is to live different so people may experience something different. And guess who it points to? Our Father in heaven, who is the only one capable of bringing about true change. In another place in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Now, Corinth is a very pagan culture, multiple gods. It, it is what Paul called in the book of Philippians, crooked and warped generation. And so Paul says, here's how I want you to engage with culture. Here's the strategy. So here's what Paul writes. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So Paul's like, okay, here's my strategy. Not to be right or convince others I'm right, even though I think I'm right. Instead, it is to show what is right. Not to be free, but to subject myself to serve. Not to win, but to win them. Then he continues. He says, to the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. So Paul says to those who are all worked up about their religion, you know what, I can play that game. They wear masks, you know what, I can wear a mask. They have opinions and beliefs about certain issues. I can meet them where they are in those beliefs and opinions, even though I don't agree with them. Because it's not about protecting my rights. I have a much bigger agenda in mind. And then he writes, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, we are also accountable to the law of Christ. And the law of Christ is very simple. You are to love one another as God through Christ has loved you. You are to love the people around you. I am to love the people around me the way that God through Christ loved me. That's the law of Christ. No matter how they vote, what they believe or don't believe. So what does that mean? Does that mean that you know, we flip-flop all the time, that we waffle, that we, you know, we're a chameleon, we never take a stand? I heard it all through the pandemic. Why doesn't the Ridge take a stand? They need to condemn the right, they need to condemn the left, never shut down on Sundays, you know, don't bow to Caesar. We chose to take a stand right in the middle. Why? Well, Mark, are you, are you afraid of losing people? Nope. You know, if that was my goal, I would have stood on the right or the left and actually gained more people because it would have made one side very happy with me. But it would have been all the same people. If you really believe that the far left is godless and demonic, isn't that our mission field? So shouldn't we do whatever it takes to build a bridge? Not to win, but to win them. If you really believe that the far right is bigoted and evil, isn't that our mission field? So shouldn't we do whatever it takes to love and to serve? Not to win but to win them. This is what Paul says about standing in the lonely middle, but it's the place of greatest influence. Paul continues and he says, I have become all things to all people that I might save some. 
He says, I've just learned to build and navigate relationships with people I have virtually nothing in common with so that I might share the love and grace of Jesus with them. You know, this is amazing when you think about it, that he held the moral and ethic high ground and he didn't feel compelled to win something because, and, and you know, you can all agree with this. He didn't feel compelled to win something because Jesus had already won, which means the world had already won. Paul's just like, hey, they just need someone to tell them. So we set out to do just that. Now here's how Paul kind of wraps it up. He's talking back and forth and he says, okay, I do all this, all this back and forth, this blending in, figuring it out, staying out of the fray, influencing people. And it's like, okay, Paul, why would you do that? Why speak to Gentiles who are nothing like you? Why go back to the Jews who are glad that you're not with them anymore? You know, why learn other cultures when you don't agree with them? Paul tells us why. He says, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. It's like he'd say to us, you know that person, you desperately want to know Jesus, that they would just experience his grace, be free from their shame and guilt to spend eternity with you? You'd be like, yeah, Paul, we know that. Yeah. Would it be enough if they just agreed with you politically? Let's be honest, no. Paul would say, exactly. So don't miss out on a chance to win them just because we want to win an argument. The other day, I was driving to an appointment and I, and I drove by these two homes. And on uh, one home, they had a bunch of yard signs all for Democratic candidates. And then the house right next to it had a bunch of yard signs all for Republican candidates. And it doesn't take much to figure out what kind of relationship they have with each other. And Paul would say, don't sacrifice your opportunity to love and influence people for Jesus, which will last forever over something like politics, as important as it might be, and it's important, but it doesn't last. So here's what this means as individuals. I want you to vote, serve, protect, enlist, run for office, but protect your freedom in the nature of your Lord, not as your Lord, and do so in a manner that will love and serve others. And when you disagree, do it with gentleness and grace so you don't lose influence. And don't be discipled by CNN and Fox News. Be discipled by your church. And every time you put your hand on your heart to pledge allegiance to the flag, remember, one nation under God. That's the right priority. We serve our God first. We are citizens of his kingdom first. Now here's what this means as a church. We pray for our officials even if we didn't vote for them and we refuse to get into the political mudslinging and we stay focused on our vision to bring the hope of Jesus into every home. And in this crooked and warped culture here in Wisconsin, we're gonna to continue to launch new churches and new campuses. And we're gonna to continue to be a catalyst for a movement of multiplying churches in our community, which will bring about the greatest change because political parties and candidates, they can't change the heart of a community because they weren't designed to. Only God can do that. Now, to do what God has called us to do, we need everyone to be a part of that. It's gonna take money. It's gonna take some of you to help plant campuses. It's gonna take some of you to serve here in Greenfield while others go and they serve in another location. It's gonna take us all to be willing to be the church. I want you to think about 
this for a minute. Think about the people who Jesus and Paul said these words to. They had no rights, no citizenship, no voting, no internet, no platform, no churches, no buildings. They were persecuted. They were fed to lions. Yet the church thrived. And you know what? That wasn't just back then. This is still happening today. Think about what's going on in underground China right now. Horrible persecution. No rights, yet the church is thriving. Think about what's happening in Australia right now. Already lost tax-exempt status, yet the church is just exploding. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd like to keep all those things, and I'll vote accordingly. But my faith is not based on that. At the beginning of the pandemic, when we weren't meeting in our buildings, we were only meeting online, a family in our church reached out to me, letting me know how upset they were that we were not meeting in person. Uh, a few weeks after our initial meeting uh, with them, the, the husband actually sent me a follow-up email. And here's what he said. He said, we are losing the battle too. And then he just went on to talk about a certain political party. And I got done reading his email and here's what I, I wrote back to him, knowing as I wrote this, he would leave our church. Here's what I said. I said, you and I are fighting very different battles. You are fighting a political battle and using God to justify not only your battle, but how you're treating people who don't agree with you. We're fighting for every single person, Democrat or Republican, who doesn't know Jesus. Because that's the battle Jesus is fighting. It's why he came. And it's the battle he called us, his church, to fight with him. And it's the only battle that brings about true life change. You see, Jesus was clear. He said, I'm gonna establish my church and the gates of hell aren't going to be able to shut it down. And you know what? Rome didn't shut it down. The temple didn't shut it down. Communism didn't shut it down. COVID didn't and won't shut it down. Think about this. By every human measure, Jesus didn't win but he lost with a purpose. He was wrongfully accused. He had no rights. He didn't get a fair trial. He was killed. And when he died, the onlookers said, surely he was the son of God. And Jesus has called us to follow him, which means following in his footsteps. We have the freedom to choose whether or not we follow Jesus. But you know what? We don't get to choose what following Jesus looks like. And we should be grateful for our, our nation. I know I am, but we should do so with the tone of our Lord. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.